I've been here for years, ordained by my peers, putting suckers in sears, wearing bow ties for years. We did do Ultimate Banana, which I've tried to get our students to do here, and they have not taken to it quite as well as a fun idea. Uh, ultimate Banana is just Ultimate Brazilian Fruit. It's great. Welcome to iHeartPCA. This is a podcast where Justin, Edgar, and I are talking about what's good in the PCA. We're talking about what's believable and beautiful and trying to talk about what people are doing right and good and leaving the negativity for other people, which we acknowledge is there for sure. So I'm Doug Servan. I'm one of the hosts. I'm sitting here in Oklahoma City. This is episode six. Like we're getting like into like the amazing toddler years or late toddler years of the podcast. I'm unsure. Definitely. And so it's growing like it's changing. It's every day like something different. Like we're starting to talk and walk and go to school and kindergarten. And so, uh, Justin, what are you doing? Tell me where you're at. What's going on with you? Hey, Doug, I'm in Albuquerque, just chilling here, excited to uh, do another podcast with you. It's such a good time. Justin, I wanted to ask you today, you know, I think of these questions to ask you, and you could you think of questions to ask me, but I always jump in earlier. You do. Uh, I know. Uh, when we first met that I remember was at that conference in Atlanta where we talked, we might have met before that, but we talked it more extensively at an event. So do you remember that or had we met before and I forgot? So I, my uh, remembrance is at the network meeting that we did or the, no, the, sorry, the North Texas Presbytery meeting that we did up at the Oklahoma, Texas border at that little church up there that's on the lake. Mm. Remember that? Yeah. And I was a seminary student or just finished seminary at uh, Redeemer, Westminster, Dallas. And you were talking about planting um, and we're getting ready to plant. So you were still RUF guy and we talked uh, about church planting. Um, so that was like 2010, maybe? Yeah. Probably but I, I don't remember until like 2013 when we were at that, what was that thing called that we used to be involved in? The group and they had conferences and like Vito was there. Oh uh, yeah, that's right. We were at that um, reform communion, reform communion. And we were, and I think that's where you told me, this is like super boring. I don't know why are we talking about this, but you told me like, Oh yeah, we had this like, but that's where I remember like becoming friends and moving yeah, yeah. from there. Yeah, that's right. And it's become because a, a beautiful friendship, a reformed friendship. Uh, it has. I even have, uh, you know, we've even shared pillows. <gasps> we have shared pillows, but again, that's a deep dive into no whole yeah, other yeah. conversation. Yeah, yeah. Better hit. We better save that one. You you can edit that out, Doug. Now I'll I'll remind everyone that we got to talk about it's it's a pillow. A named pillow. It's a pillow. Named pillow. Well, this is fascinating banter that everyone is impressed with, including our guest today on episode six. This is a 
a two-parter in our RUF series and in our Women PCA Voices series. So it, it merges into both categories. And so I want to bring on, introduce my good friend and co-laborer who I've co-labored with, Brittany Smith, who I used to know as Brittany Leard. And so Brittany, thanks for being on with us today. We're so glad you're joining us. Thanks for having me. Why don't you then briefly introduce yourself, what who you are, what you do, and then I'll ask you where you come from and your Genesis story. <laughs> sure. Uh, well, I currently live in Tucson, Arizona with my husband, Dan, and our two kids. Um, and actually, semi-permanently, my brother is living with us in our casita for coronavirus times. Um, so we do RUF here at the University of Arizona. We've been here about three years. We've done RUF for much longer than that before we were in Texas. So that's, that's who we are now. Okay. And so my sort of mostly first question is how you ended up getting into our denomination in the first place. How did you get into the PCA? And we'll save the specifics after that for later, but start us off. Okay. I grew up in uh, going to church, but not a PCA church. Um, and I in college, needed to find a new church home. I went to the University of Texas and was looking for a church or a campus ministry. And <laughs> no, don't do the horns down. Uh, and I was looking for a church home or a campus ministry. And I uh, was, I remember just thinking I wanted some, a ministry or a church that really taught the Bible. I didn't feel like I knew the Bible very well coming into college. And I wanted to sort of have a, strong foundation for my faith and wanted to learn more about the Bible. And RUF was suggested to me um, as a place that would do that. So I joined RUF and started going to PCA church in college. What was that like for you? Totally different or exactly what you um, wanted or what? I think RUF felt somewhat similar to the youth group I had grown up in because my youth pastor in high school had started to become reformed. So some of his teaching, uh, was from the Bible and, and sounded sort of similar, but church felt similar only because I had a lot of the same liturgies that were still left over. The church I grew up in was Church of uh, Disciples of Christ, which I think stood off from Presbyterian at some point. So it was actually the feel of the worship service felt similar, although uh, it was definitely much more conservative in culture, especially the people that I was getting to know. And you started learning about the Bible and grace, and mm -hmm. that was yeah. awesome or terrible it was or what? <laughs> I think it was great. I mean, I was I was a college student, so I mean, I think I thought I wanted it more than I did. You know, there was sort of a mismatch sometimes between how much I thought I wanted to study the Bible and how much I actually would show up to do it. I, I tend to remember feeling like I was a really faithful attender of my Bible study, but then I don't think I probably was as much as I thought I was. But I remember having great relationship with my campus minister, Benji Slayton, and my intern, Meg Chapin, who were just really faithful to pursue relationships with me and talk with me about my life and bring in the scriptures to apply them to my life in a lot of ways. So, 
Well, this is a little bit of a spoiler alert, but Brittany and I work together in our UF, but I'm trying to lead her to that point. Right. No, Sorry. you're doing a good job. But so, so you, we haven't got that far yet. I just wanted everyone to know that I know some of the answers to these questions, but I want her to say them out loud. And so Brittany, as you were graduating from college from UT, you had various options and you ended up choosing to work for Reformed University Fellowship as an intern. Why, why did you make that choice? What was going on in your life? What did you choose not to do? In order uh, to do yeah, there's several things going on, obviously, uh, different factors. I would, had studied mostly, had been a science biology student in college. I tried different things, but kept kind of hitting a wall in terms of it feeling like a right fit for me for a career. Uh, I tried doing research. I tried volunteering in a hospital to see if I wanted to go to medical school. And I did apply for medical school and even got in, but um, just felt like it was not going to be the right fit. I, I like faint around needles and I really didn't enjoy being around six people. It was just, I don't know why I thought that was a good idea. So when I finally kind of got over that hump of feeling like I can say no to that track, uh, I really loved the ministry of RUF. And I, there's a this weird choice of books that would have affected it, but there was a book that was really popular at the time called I Am Charlotte Simmons by Tom Wolfe. And I had read it and it felt like it rang so true to not just some of my college experience, but just a lot of people I knew in college. And I wanted that, that character of Charlotte Simmons just was so lonely and so in need of a friend and need of a community to help her in that story. And I wanted to help other college students the way that RUF had helped me. So I applied to be an intern and the way it works with interns still to this day is you don't get to choose where you go they just assign you so in God's providence I was assigned to be Doug's intern at the University of Oklahoma I remember going through the list of every RUF campus that existed at the time and thinking to myself okay Appalachian State if they sent me there I, I could do that I guess I don't really know where it is and I went through every single one on the list even Texas A&M which seemed like a terrible choice because I was a Longhorn and I remember getting to the University of Oklahoma, and it was the only one I just literally skipped. Did not even think about it because I thought that would be crazy for them to send a Longhorn up to Oklahoma. Who would want to talk to me from Oklahoma? <laughs> no students would want to be my friends because they're big rivals. But that's where they sent me. It was crazy. So what was uh, your favorite thing then about, besides Doug, obviously it was Doug. Yes but about becoming a transplanted uh, Longhorn in Sooner Country. What was that like for you? What was your favorite part of that whole experience? I remember part of when I finally got over kind of the shock of the placement. Um, I remember being really excited because a lot, I didn't have a lot of expectations uh, anymore about what it might be like. I, I kind of just assumed that it wouldn't really be cool like a cool, like I, I was like, I'm just going to be getting over the fact that I'm a Longhorn anyway. And so uh, we, I remember thinking that I was just going to pray crazy prayers and see what the Lord would do when I would get there. I remember praying all summer that we would have an entry point into the sororities, which was not a big, uh, we didn't have a lot of those, that demographic at OURUF at the time when I got there. But for some reason, I thought I should pray for that. I have no background with sororities. I was not in one in college, had very few friends in them. So I don't know why I was even praying that. But 
I did. And we had the second or third week of our large group meeting. We had these girls come from a sorority who had no connection at all to anyone at RUF, but they walked literally up to me out of all the people they could have walked up to. And were just kind of like, Hello, we we're looking for a Bible study. Do you know anything about anyone who could help us with that? And I just was sort of dumbfounded and said, that's my job. I would love to help you with the Bible study. And so we started a Bible study in their sorority house and it went the full two years I was there. It was great. That was one of my favorite things. That's awesome. That's really, really, really great. You also really ministered to those women and those women are really doing great. Some of them are in our church and other churches. Um, That was a profound time, I think, for all of us and both of us. But so I, I just also, are there other maybe like funny things or quirky things that you didn't expect or that you learned or and then maybe one or two like wow similar to the sorority girl story things that happened in your personal life with Christ that you learned from getting sent to Oklahoma it is a random process for sure yeah for sure I let's see uh there's a lot I could pick from and it's kind of like going back in your memory files which I don't revisit often uh, one thing, I mean, my relationship with Doug was really striking. Working with you was uh, always always um, put me in a place of like nervousness uh, because I just hadn't worked really closely with a pastor probably like that before or with um, another man in ministry. And uh, I learned a lot from you, but you also were always really, really welcoming and pursuing my perspective on things, which I felt like I didn't have a lot to offer initially just because I didn't know the campus and I had never done ministry professionally or vocationally before, but you always wanted to know my opinion. And when I would give it to you, you would listen, even if I disagreed with you. And uh, a couple of times I remember even kind of having to push back against you and you always responded really well, which was a good positive reinforcement experience for me, I think, and foundational for how I think about working in ministry now. Uh, what else? I I had some like dating relationships that were kind of crazy. <laughs> I'll probably just leave it at that. But I met my husband also in my second year of my internship, uh, and it, it was uh, it was a really good experience. One way I usually tell our students about that was Doug was Doug and the community that we were a part of were really helpful for me to sort of realize that I wasn't good at being a girlfriend. I don't, I don't know if I would have said I'm good at being a girlfriend, but I didn't think I was bad at it, but kind of just sort of owning, like I'm bad at being a girlfriend. I can be really controlling. I can be really anxious and helping me just be okay with that <laughs> helped me be left that way with Dan, uh, which helped us probably uh, have a more successful relationship that eventually led to marriage. So those were big, big things for me at that time. Those are big things, and I'm happy to talk about them. I was sort of thinking about board games and Puerto Rico and Ultimate Banana and all the idiotic stuff we did, but, like, you went down into the depths of, like, super amazingness. But in my brain, my question is, like, what stupid stuff did we do together that was fun? But okay. Yes. We did do Ultimate Banana, which I've tried to get our students to do here, and they have not taken to it quite as well as a fun idea. 
Uh, ultimate banana is just ultimate Brazilian fruit. It was great. Is it the is it the Western vibe, the too cool, like hey, we're from the West kind of vibe that uh, keeps kids from playing ultimate banana? I I just think they have to show up and do it, and then they'll have fun. I think they just are like, what are you talking about? It's different now. Like if I think if our intern suggested it, they'd show they'd do it, but I'm not. I'm just not their peer group quite as much anymore. So not the old people. They don't. <laughs> I usually, if it's a cool idea comes from me, it doesn't go over as well. Not quite as cool. Yeah. I was, I, I'll say bragging on myself, not terrible at getting people to do weird stuff. Yeah. No, you're best that I spiritual eventually do. And eventually event, if enough people do it, it becomes unweird or it, turns over on itself that the weirdness becomes the cool part of it so yeah. I, I try to keep that in mind but we yeah. did a lot of that stuff and you were a very good partner of crime in that <laughs> um yeah. so i'm thankful for that so then i'm i want to get to then going from there to seminary you got married you went to seminary mm-hmm. and um so then we're going to break and get into your current RUF job and your work in um, publishing and the book and stuff like that. But so first, just catch us up to speed from getting to OU. I mean, you could throw in your favorite OU football player, I guess, and then move to MDiv stuff. You want me to talk more about OU, including sports? Well, I, I, I was just, that was a... I would like to hear you talk about that, but I don't think I don't think you got anything to say about it. So <laughs> no. we're trying to talk about positive things here. Let's just mm-hmm. avoid that. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I wanted. Do you remember? I wanted to stay a third year, do a third year of the internship with you, mm-hmm. and that was my plan until Dan came around and he had already put off seminary a year or two. And we were going to get married, so I moved up my seminary plan. So we both applied to Covenant Seminary. We applied before we were even dating. And then we kind of got engaged and married real fast. I had to call them up and tell them to change our housing from single to married housing. And I was going to, I went and I, Dan got an MDiv and I got a Master's of Educational Ministry at Covenant Seminary. Was Dan uh, wearing uh, Hawaiian shirts even then? Dan has always had a bit of like that same type of, uh, you know, Doug sort of wants to like make people like not uncomfortable, but there's like, it's on the path to uncomfortable with the clothing. And so Dan has always appreciated a loud shirt or something strange that is just not what everyone else is wearing. Uh, So he's had that well before he met me and I've only encouraged it. Hmm. This is an awkward pause. (laughs) <laughs> we're gonna embrace the awkward right the, doug that's what you do toward uncomfortable clothing but not quite there but on the way that's that's the, the direction we're going with it right totally you it's been blogged about right i think so you can cut that out this is iHeartPCA. We are meeting together to talk about what is good and positive. I am 
trying to remind us and what is not bad or awkward. I guess it could be what turns around in the positive, but so this is a podcast brought to you by our sponsor, White Black McBrooks. We're going to hear a brief ad and then we will return to talk to Brittany. We're going to talk to Brittany about her current job with RUF and the things she's doing to promote discussion in the PCA. So we'll take a break and get back you to it here in I Heart PCA is a podcast, has an underwriter sponsor, and that is White Blackbird Books. They publish bestsellers with redemptive themes. They have several books that are compilations of essays written by different authors. Two of those, Hillas Emmanuel and Hebrews Emmanuel, deal with biblical justice and racial reconciliation, which is only found in Christ. The other one is called Collaborers Coerce, a family conversation. It is about women in the church, especially the Presbyterian Church in America. There is nothing radical per se in it, but we have work to do still as a church. You might get it, read it, and weigh in. We'd love to hear from you. iHeartPCA is also brought to you by hashtag I hate the SEC. Welcome back to iHeartPCA, a podcast where we're talking about what's good in the PCA. We're talking to Brittany Smith. She is doing a great job in Tucson, Arizona at University of Arizona with her husband and Smith. But the thing about it is she's not just working with them. She works for RUF. And so that's really important to know about. This is something that I really want to highlight that Brittany works for RUF So, Brittany, tell us about that and what that means and what we call that, how we should know about it, how we can support that, what you do. Right. So, I am RUF campus staff at the University of Arizona. We now, I can't remember the exact number, but it's approaching about 50 RUF campus staff across RUF campuses. Uh, We just added on 11 new campus staff for this coming year. Uh, the historically with RUF, women having a place to serve vocationally has been uh, a, a process to figure out how to do that well. Obviously, the RUF internship has been around a long time, which is for both men and women right out of college. And for a long time, if a woman wanted to continue with RUF, they could do a third, fourth, fifth year of the internship. But the campus staff program is newer and really only been going for maybe five or six years as it's as a full its own thing. It's a different job than the internship and obviously from campus ministers. RUF is different than a lot of other campus ministries because we have the ordained campus minister on campus. He's the campus director and it's just not the same as other campus ministries because he's been a seminary, he's been ordained, he's you know full pastor, not just a director of ministry. Um, so the campus staff program is great because I think it provides a pathway, which we need more of for women in vocational ministry in the PCA. 
It provides a pathway for women who feel called to do vocational ministry, specifically to college students uh, for, you know, the long term. So a lot of campus staff, uh, most of the campus staff are full-time. They offer the part-time option for women who are married to campus ministers like me. And so that's what I do. So you you may have mentioned this and I missed it, but some of the women are married to the campus minister yeah. and most of them aren't or some of them most aren't? Of them. Most of them aren't. Most of them are not. We have, we have about eight to 10 at any given time of who are wives of campus ministers and almost all of them are part-time. I don't, I don't know of any that are full-time right now. So what do you think is the value of having a woman actually on staff connected to the campus ministry instead of only the uh, uh, campus minister and or only the campus minister and interns? Because there are situations with campus minister and interns. So what, oh, right. how does that create a different dynamic? Right. So some campuses don't have a campus staff or never had a campus staff on them. It, they might or might not have interns. So uh, it's just been historically true, I think, that campus ministers really value female interns because they want to have a woman on their staff who can meet with women and have conversations that they just can't have in the same way with female students, especially, who can provide that perspective on the ministry from a female perspective, who can partner with them uh, and you know, not, you know, just not have only a man as somebody who's full-time. You know, if if you're a campus minister without an intern, without a campus staff, your wife has a wonderful opportunity. I think it's a gift to be able to work alongside your husband in ministry, even if you're not employed by the ministry. There's a lot of freedom in that. RUF wants the wives to have the freedom to be able to do as much or as little as they want to with the ministry. There are wives who have, you know, multiple young children at home, and really that's their focus. There are wives who have full careers, but they do some other kind of work. Uh, and, and their focus is not necessarily on the ministry. And so I'm really grateful that as someone who is both married to the campus minister and feels sort of independently called to vocational ministry, that I have the option to, to work officially for RUF alongside of Dan. There's just a different amount of equipping I get, a different kind of partnership I get to do, not just with him, but with the rest of the campus ministers and the rest of the campus staff. Um, and I think a lot of the campus staff who are not married to the campus ministers who are just full-time on campuses, some of them are married, some are not, uh, they just, I mean, they love college students and they love Jesus and they feel called to do this work the same way that their brothers do. And so it's, it's really beautiful to see them have so much opportunity to do that fully on campus with is the Is the biggest difference between the intern and the staff longevity? Um, responsibility. I mean, obviously, they they have a little bit more stick to itiveness potentially, but right, yeah. And I so this would be just from my observational experience. I wouldn't officially speak for RUF in this way, but I think that there is uh, even ongoing, like as we speak, uh, there's a challenge to figure out how that tr transition is made because. If you're a man who does the RUF internship right after college and you feel called to vocational ministry, specifically to college ministry, the encouragement generally is you need to go off to seminary, get your equipping, and then you come back. And if everything's confirmed and we have a job for you and all that, then you get to be a campus minister. And there's this like nice separation from the internship and being a campus minister. 
Whereas women, that's not required. You don't have to go to seminary to be campus staff, although there is a requirement to continue your, your education in some aspects. And uh, but you, so you can essentially transition from being an intern to being campus staff immediately, which just is a different pathway than the men go through. And so there, I think there's a, there's a the distinction feels less. What's the word I want? Maybe just that the, the, the distinction is just less strict or hard as they transition out of being an intern and into campus staff. It's just, it's a process, maybe, is what I'm so trying to say. And so they are semi-permanent. The, the internship is a two-year program. It's not, it's, internship's not even really the best term for it all the time because it sounds like you're not getting paid or like it's not a real job. It's a real job, full-time, right. you're paid, full salary. You're doing, I mean, you're doing the work. You're not just learning. Um, whereas campus staff, is, uh, you go through an assessment process the same way that campus ministers do. You're confirmed in your call to this job, and you're asked to commit to three to five years with RUF. So if someone's listening to this, a young woman perhaps, and they're, you know, had a positive experience with RUF, or maybe they didn't have an experience with RUF at all, but they hear you talking about campus ministry and they want to do it, what would you tell them? Like why they should do staff? Um, what, you know, what would you say to them? I would say that RUF is a great place for women in ministry. Uh, we have, I think the partnership between men and women on campus that work together is just really beautiful. And I think we're growing all the time in how to do that well and how to love each other well in these relationships on, on campus staff and campus ministers on different campuses. I think that Casey Cockrum, who's the director of campus staff is amazing. She'll be your boss and she's the one you'd contact if you are interested about this. She just a phenomenal leader for us to have in this job. And yeah, I don't, I mean, I just think it's, I think there's a lot of freedom because, you know, as things are worked out in the church about how, to help women in ministry flourish in the church. There's just a lot more mess I've found in the church proper, figuring that out. Whereas in RUF, it's a parachurch ministry that's under the oversight of the PCA, but it's not a church. It's, a, it's an evangelistic missional ministry. And there's a lot of freedom and opportunity to do a lot of great work as a woman in those places. That's great. Yeah, thanks, Brittany. That was really good. That gets us to the last thing we want to talk about before we finish up, and that is the book that you put together. Yes. And so it's called Co-Laborers, Co-Heirs, A Family Conversation. So Brittany, what led you to collate this book? And, and then I'll get to ask you questions about what it was like to go through it and then what the result has been. But why did you start yeah. this book? Uh, well, we started it. It's a, it's a project you and I did together. It's not just me. Um, and I, cause I don't think it would have, I don't think I would have even had the idea of this being a project without you having done this before with Helis Emanuel in terms of just the format of the book being a, compilation of authors and essays. So a couple years ago, there was the study report on women in the ministry of the church that the PCA put out uh, that 
was heavily debated at our General Assembly. And I know we're trying to keep things positive and good in the PTA. I think it's good that we address this issue. So I appreciate that it was approved and studied and that there was something handed down to churches to engage with in this area. Uh, but there was struggle and not always uh, easy things to listen to in the debate of the study report when it was first proposed and when it was accepted at GA. And it's totally appropriate that only men were talking about this at GA because of what GA is and it's a court of the church and it's for members of General Assembly, which is only ordained pastors in our denomination, which does not include women. That's appropriate, but I didn't feel like it was appropriate that that was the only discussion that was held about the topic in any sphere. And I wanted the opportunity for women to add their perspectives and their thoughts and um, to teach us uh, from the scriptures on women in ministry and maybe challenge us where we could grow and do better. And so I wanted there to be some format for our conversation. And since you had done Heal Us Emmanuel with that format of collaboration of many authors, I remember asking like why you we didn't why we couldn't do something like that for the issue of women in the PCA. And what did I say? I think you were pretty enthusiastic about it. You're like, yeah, <laughs> you're fired up. I think I, why couldn't we? We could. Let's do it. And so then yeah. you started asking authors, and what was it like to ask different authors to do this project? It was so it was so different depending on the people that we asked. We had a real small core group that responded quickly and get, sent us their work really early on that were, honestly, we couldn't have done it without their willingness to be the first, first ones to write, first ones to submit something so that we had a template to show others of what we were trying to do. So those ladies gave their work really quickly and fast and were very enthusiastic and almost impatient by the end, which I really appreciated. Um, I was also impatient by the end. Uh, but so we had those women who jumped up first. We had some women who kind of went through the process and, and you know, had to think about whether or not they could write and then maybe did decide to, even though it was a hard decision, and others who maybe had a great story to tell or something really great to offer, but just felt like they couldn't for different reasons. Some of them were worried about fallout for their own personal lives. That could happen if they shared a story or shared their perspective. Uh, some were just too, uh, had, had sort of, it was set from their past and they didn't want to revisit it, which I totally respected. Uh, and some just were in the middle of it too much and it was just too hot and they couldn't feel like they could write about it compassionately and with grace yet. Hmm. So we, so some people did write, some people didn't. We also, there's a couple women, especially that we really heavily recruited just because we wanted their voices in the, um, in the, in the book because we valued them a lot. And so they made it in. And then at the end, we didn't feel like just having women speak alone was a good picture of what we were going for. We wanted to speak together and be conversing together with our brothers. So we recruited a few men to write as well. It's a great project. And uh, your work on it was, I know, super in important, influential. And so Thank you for helping the church. One of the things that we care about on this pod is we care about the PCA. We love women. We want uh, their voices to be 
not just heard, but honored, respected, um, listened to. And so we're thankful for that way that you've, you've led and um, put yourself out there to do that. I know that as I've, I, as I've worked on this or was working on it, I mean, there were a lot of tears and anger and I think also repentance and contemplation. Um, and I'm sure that I know that is true for you, Brittany, because we've talked on the phone. Do you feel like there is a two-part question, a favorite chapter, and then also a hidden chapter that people have not really grabbed onto that maybe they should look at? A hidden chapter, like a like three things. No, there's not like. It's just unappreciated. It should be more appreciated. Favorite chapter. That's like picking your favorite kid. Uh, I don't know how you pick that. <laughs> I appreciate all of our writers so much. Uh, I my Usually when I default to trying to pick one to feature, it's almost always the first one of the book, which was written by Jessica Rivera, which is a story of her friend. It's a true story of her friend who went through an abusive marriage um, under the counsel and shepherding of her church, who kind of botched it in some ways and learned and grew from that, but really just the fallout of what that meant for the story of her friend and seeing the redemption of like Jesus's faithfulness to her in the midst of that when the church also failed, but hoping that the church was not going to let that failure not have meaning and and choose to grow from it and equip their session better for these kind of situations in the future. So that's usually when I like to feature just because it sets the tone so much for why we need to listen to women um, better than we do currently. Um, overlooked or underappreciated chapter. I mean, I worry that the ones at the end of the book get overlooked and we put all the men at the end of the book um, kind of, I don't want to say for that reason. I didn't want anybody to overlook them, but just intentionally though, for the placement of women at the front. And I really do love uh, most of the chapters we have written by our brothers. I really appreciate Mark Lauterbach's chapter a lot. And it, since it's so far at the end, I worry it doesn't get read. But he's um, a friend local to Tucson. And I just feel like he writes really intentionally to pastors uh, and, and challenges them and encourages them to think through how they think about women. And sometimes I think it just comes differently from one of your own to tell you that. So I appreciate that one a lot. I don't know if it gets, gets the love that it should. We are finishing up with Brittany Smith, who works for RUF on campus staff at the University of Arizona. She also is the <clears throat> co-editor with a extremely famous other co-editor and um i would suggest right now purchasing a copy of co-labors and co-heirs and that would contribute to campus staff so the proceeds to that purchase go to help future campus staff in ruf which is a beautiful thing that Brittany wanted to do and i completely agreed with so we are going to wrap it up. 
here now with Justin and his last question, and then we'll finish, really finish it up after the wrapping it up, wrapping it up, then finish it up. Justin. So, uh, Brittany, one of the cool things that you've been doing during this uh, COVID-19 uh, is you have been doing these wine walks. So tell us about wine walks, what they are, how they've been good for you and for, you know, everyone else during the quarantine. Uh, well, I'll, I, I can't take full credit for it. Uh, Holly Dawes, who is my friend in Berkeley, California, was the one who told me she was doing wine walks first with her kids and her husband at night. They would they needed to get out of the house around that time of day. So she was taking her wine and going on a walk with her kids. And I thought that sounded pretty fun. So we went on a walk and I, don't, I just I wanted to interview my family while we were doing our wine walk and try and get us to enjoy each other a little bit and see how everyone was doing. And I put it on Instagram. It's got a great response so far. People like hearing from us, I guess. And we're just kind of silly with it, uh, but also keep it real with our like Dan and I were like in the middle of a fight one time when we were going on the wine walk. So we tried to figure out how we could communicate that we were in the middle well, of fighting. Well, let me interrupt. So you're walking around your neighborhood with wine in your hand, like Facebook living. Instagram. Instagramming your conversation, sort of like Jimmy Fallon is doing with his wife. Yes, that's exactly right. I just saw one of those the other day. That's exactly what we're doing. We're just walking around the block a couple of times. Maybe we walk to Whole Foods and get some, like, frozen. And are you, like, talking about General Assembly, different course of the church? Like, what what are you talking about? Well, my kids have stopped letting me ask them questions that I want. They're dictating what questions they want to be asked. So it's like, what's your favorite movie or something? But uh, I try and ask my brother what he, like, what he's wearing, like, to tell me about his outfit, kind of like a red carpet situation. And I ask Dan questions about like the yards that we're passing to see if he's getting any inspiration. It's just about whatever. I love that. Do you think the Smiths could talk about iHeartPCA in a future wine walk? Oh, for sure. Yeah, we should definitely do that. Like today, maybe? Well, the next time we do a wine walk, they, they kind of happen spontaneously, but I'll absolutely include it. Do you have like an Instagram account I can get that tag you on to follow? Oh, yeah. Okay. We'll tag you. Great. Thanks, Brittany, for uh, being such a great interview. And I really do encourage everyone to do it. Brittany, I'm so thankful for you as a friend, as a really partner, like I said, a ministry. We've done great stuff together. But then also as a confidant, and it just didn't stop in 2006. I don't even remember. It's continued since then. And so we've continued to do good stuff together because you've done good ministry. I've probably regressed, but you have like super impressed. And so uh, I'm, I'm really grateful that you're in the PCA and we need to hear your voice and we need to listen to you and follow you. And thank you for helping us love Jesus more um, in all these ways. I mean, we could talk about this for a lot more ways. So definitely Wine Walk with uh, Brittany is important. Justin, 
out to you in Albuquerque. This is IRPCA. See you next time.